Break the Cycle with DSD, episode number eight. Welcome to another episode of Break the Cycle with DSD. I'm your host, Dwayne, and today we're going to talk about the unspoken truth and reality of narcissistic abuse recovery. This is one of those things that a lot of people don't talk about and they brush off, which isn't really helpful for people who are going through this. So sit back, listen to the show, and hopefully it will give you some uh, good information to help you deal with what you're going through. Hello. And welcome to the show. This is Dwayne. And I wanted to hit a topic that uh, I did talk about during the last week's live stream. Uh, there were some technical issues where uh, I ended up having to delete that. So I wanted to re-hit the topic for the podcast because I thought it was really important. And, and that is discussing the unspoken truth and the reality of recovering from narcissistic abuse. And I, th I think this is really important because a lot of people don't talk about it. They don't really acknowledge it. And when you're first trying to, re when you're first going through this, trying to understand some of these issues is when people aren't letting you know, makes it really tough because you start to think that something is fundamentally wrong with you. And the main issue on this is that there are a lot of things that happen during this process that a lot of people basically, like I said, don't talk about. And, and realistically, it's a, it, it falls into a couple of different categories. One is the amount of time that it takes to really start to heal and to detoxify yourself and to purge this person out of your mind. And the second part about that is how that looks and how that feels when you're going through it. So the first thing I want to hit right off the bat is, and I hate to say this, and, and for some people this may be a little depressing, and that is that this really does take a long time. And most people with uh, normal neurotypical type relationships and breakups, it doesn't, it takes a little bit of time, but it doesn't take a long time. You know, you have your, you have your, 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 your emotional reaction and your sadness and, and all those things, and you mourn the loss of the relationship. But most people are able to pick up and move on relatively quickly. And if you've had experiences with normal breakups, because narcissistic and toxic breakups are not normal at all, you are even more confused because if you've had the experience where you had a breakup and within a couple of months you were feeling better and you were out doing things and and you weren't really destroyed by it, when you roll into a narcissistic, toxic relationship that falls apart, whether it's a divorce, whether it's a relationship, whether it's one year or whether it's three decades, it doesn't matter. A narcissistic implosion of a relationship is catastrophic and causes all kinds of extra problems that you just don't anticipate. The reality is it's not untypical for it to take a year to maybe longer, depending on how much you're wrapped around all of this, to really start to heal. This is really important to bring up and to talk about because if you are looking at your friends or even you're looking at past breakups as a benchmark on what your recovery process should be, it will start to make you feel like you're going crazy because it's taking so long. And you start to look at it and say, well, wait a minute, something must be wrong with me because there's no reason for this to take as long as it's taking. The sad truth about this is the 
trauma bond that connects and intertwines us with our exes on this create a creates a connection that just is really really hard to sever now in full disclosure my main first relationship was with my ex i didn't exactly have a lot of experience going into the well going into the relationship and coming out of it and as you guys are aware, this relationship lasted over 21 years. So, I mean, it was a really long time. So when I got out of it, I didn't know what to expect, and I didn't understand how the process was going to work. I knew it wasn't going to be easy, but I had no idea once the, rela- or once the separation slash divorce turned into this toxic, nasty, vindictive experience, just how hard it was really going to be. Now, this doesn't mean that you're never going to get away from it. That It's not absolutely not what I'm trying to say. You will. It's just you need to understand the extra complexities of it. So when you get into that mode, like I got into, where I was looking at it going, what in the world? You know, I mean, it's like a year into it. I'm like, why can't I get this person out of my head? What is the problem? Why am I stuck on this? Why am I trapped? And the second year, it got even worse. Okay, so I'm going to go into a few different reasons why I think this is. And, and the first thing I think is the, the main issue that keeps us connected is the lack of closure. You don't get any closure on a, a relationship like this. You're never going to be able to sit down and talk with a person and re, not rehash, but uh, sit down and have a reasonable conversation on how the relationship went down. Because what happens is a narcissistic, toxic person, what they will do is they will, in an instant, since the relationship doesn't really mean anything to them, they can write you off and flip a switch to, to erase you from their mind instantaneously. And it doesn't matter how bad the relationship is. Whenever you are basically discarded, a lot of people will say like a piece of trash, it's, it's really hard to wrap your head around. So you're sitting there trying to make sense of the... Of, well, you're trying to make sense of something that you cannot make sense of because you're using your own perspective and your feelings and your emotions and your perspective on how people think or how you thought the person thinks, and they don't think the same way. So you're expecting that somebody that you're connected with, even if you're angry with them, there's still there's still a a connection or the, the, the emotions were real and legitimate, and maybe there's some, some hurt and anger associated with it, but also some fondness. And, and when you're dealing with someone like this, and when they freaking flip that switch, and it changes in an instant, and you're persona non grata in, in, with, like overnight. And, and I've heard people say this to where they'll have a good relationship, or they'll think they have a good relationship, and then it's like the next day, it's like they don't exist. And they're sitting there, and you could be sitting there trying to wrap your head around going, wait a minute, yesterday the person said that they loved me. Yesterday they said they cared about me. Yesterday they said I was important, and now I'm nothing. See, and that sends us into this tailspin where our brains are just trying to, to make sense of this. And it'll trap you. It trapped me for a really long time. And you just get to the point where you don't understand it or you start trying to make excuses for it or you start trying to rationalize it. And it's this infinite do loop that I like to call it. If you're anybody, it's a programming type term where you basically just kind of, you unfortunately tell the computer to just keep going into the same loop with no way to get out of it. 
and it just goes into a system runaway. And that's pretty much what happens with your brain and your emotions and your mind is that you just can't make sense of it. So this rolls into the other issue, which is really just a bowl full of rainbows, and that is you, you're stuck thinking about the X. Even whenever you try, you, you, you know, even if you learn about no contact and you're like, I'm going no contact, but you're thinking about the person all the time. And here's the other thing, right? You, the other reality of this, the, the unspoken reality, is even though we know, we can rationally know and realize that this person was toxic for us, that we shouldn't be in the relationship, that it wasn't healthy for us, and we will we'll talk about how angry and bitter and how we might even say how grateful we are to be away from the person. But the unspoken reality is, is that you're sitting there ruminating about your ex. You're sitting there, sitting there thinking about everything that's happened, and you're still longing for that illusion that you once had. Now, this is really tough because whenever you're going through this and you're not being honest with yourself and, you know, you and especially you're not going to be honest with anybody externally because who in the world is going to say to someone, yeah, here's somebody who's completely destroyed me. Here's somebody who's who's taken everything that was important, who's trying to destroy my reputation, my career, destroy my relationship with my kids, you know, all of those things, and then turn around and say, but you still feel for them and you still care about them and you still, you know, you still would want them back. You know, the sad reality is, is you don't want to even admit it to yourself. And, and here's the thing. It's okay to admit that to yourself. It's okay to realize, wow, I'm really connected to this person. Because this rolls into the second thing, which is the reality of it, and which is some of the stuff that kind of helps or can help you to resolve this issue and start to move forward. And that is, one, is to understand what you're dealing with. You know, even if your person you're dealing with does not have a diagnosis, but if they are exhibiting a narcissistic personality disorder or anything within the cluster B, but if they are exhibiting those characteristics, it doesn't matter where they are legitimately a narcissist or have, has NPD or borderline personality disorder or they're histrionic or antisocial, whatever it is. If they treat, I mean, if they're in this relationship and they're acting these traits out, it doesn't matter whether they're basically just a, uh, kind of keep this PG, you know, a, a, a butthead, for lack of a better word, as opposed to being full-blown, it's, it's the same effect towards you. If, if the person doesn't respect your boundaries, doesn't respect you as a human, and isn't giving you the the emotional support that you need within the relationship, and they absolutely aren't going to give it to you afterwards, then that's enough to, to, to start painting the picture in your own mind that you're dealing with someone toxic. Now, the flip side to this, or the second part about this, is the trauma bond. We get so engaged in the bond with them because of the, the hot and cold and the gaslighting and the things that they do, we can't really get away from it. You know, a lot of people talk about it with the Stockholm Syndrome, which I think is a really great example. But you get in stuff in a relationship where they're being good and bad. They're being, you know, they're, they're abusing you emotionally or physically or whatever the thing is, and then they're nice to you. So you're getting these mixed, message, mixed messages so your brain doesn't really know how to process it. Now, Couple that with if you had a, a, a troubled family, if you came from a family of origin that was full of emotional abusers or narcissistic personality types, physical and emotional abuse, either or, then you're primed more for this because when it happens, it's what you're used to. And I think this is the reason why some people 
like myself, can be in a relationship for 21 years, and I can fundamentally look back on it now and realize that the relationship didn't change. It was always the way it was. And I endured that for 21 years. And and a big reason for that is because that was my normal, and that is what I came to expect as how people treat everyone. I didn't like it. I didn't necessarily want it. But in my mind, it was like, okay, well, this is how things are. You just have to accept people. You have to deal with it. You know, yes, there's a fundamental, there's fundamentally the relationships built on love and trust, which absolutely is not the case when you're dealing with a narcissist, but that's what you think. And it's what can hold you into it. Now, what I just said a minute ago without it being, you know, if you've had that history that when you roll into a long-term or when you roll into a relationship, it can last longer. That's the reason why, in my opinion, a lot of people who get with these people and their short-lived relationships, now, a lot of damage can still happen. You can have kids really quick with somebody like this, and that creates a whole other set of problems. But even somebody who gets with some a, a toxic person like this, and let's say they have good boundaries and they have a good uh, family foundation so that they start to recognize that, hey, something's not right here, and I'm not dealing with this and they'll get out. But even though if they get out, they still go through this really traumatic process to heal from this. Okay, so now let's talk about how you are able to really start healing from it. One is understanding what this, this whole part, the, the unspoken truths of all this, that, that how long it takes to recover, the fact that you're still connected with and ruminating about the ex. Even whenever you, you know in your bones, that it was bad, you still have that feeling. And then that rolls into the basically the addiction that you have thinking about and looking at information on the X, right? You will, unfortunately, which is very common for people recovering from this, is you will look. Even if you're going no contact, and see, I think there's a big misnomer about what no contact really means. No contact means you're not talking to the person and you're not engaging with the person and you're not looking information up. You're basically giving you, the whole purpose of no contact is to give you space to start to try to heal and get separation from it. If you're sitting there constantly searching on their Facebook or their Instagram or their Pinterest or whatever the heck it is or wherever you can find it or talking to other people to find out what's going on with them, that isn't going no contact. Now, here's the thing. Going through all of that, what I just said, is very common as well. And it makes you feel like you're a stalker because you're trying to figure out what's going on. Now, this all rolls back into, at the beginning, what I was talking about, that you're trying to make sense of it. So you're looking for, you're looking for answers to try to get some type of idea. Well, actually, to be perfectly honest, here's another little unspoken truth. You're actually initially looking because you want to get some validation that the relationship meant something. It meant anything. You want to see that they're pining for you, that, that oh, I made a mistake. And here's the thing, guys. What happens when you look for, look for information on your narcissistic ex, especially if they really are a narcissist, you're not going to get any of that. What you're going to see is them portraying to be the victim. You'll see them saying, if only the other person could see what they lost. You know, there's no, there's no, uh, looking back or, or trying to to look at themselves to say that the that maybe they made a mistake or they wish things could be different. They're placing all the blame onto you and being the victim, right? And that's really tough because when that happens and you're feeling the exact same way that they're doing it and you, and you see them putting this information out there, it's like another dagger in the heart. Here's the thing. 
it's like an addiction. And I went through this, and I hate to talk about this, and, and this is one of those things that, um, you know, I can talk about it now, but I absolutely didn't want to talk about it then. Uh, I mean, I did talk about it with my therapist when I was going through it, when I was really circling the toilet bowl on this. And that is, it's like an addiction to look. You want to find more information. You, and you will give yourself all kinds of reasons why it's okay to look. The best one that I used to come up with my, with me is, well, I need to know what she's going to do for court so I know what to expect. So if I, can, if I can find some information out on what her plan is or what she's saying to people, then I'll know what she's thinking and what she's planning and what bomb I'm getting ready, get, is getting ready to go off in court. Now, the problem with me, and you may or may not have this problem, is I, I have a very analytical way of looking at things. So in my mind, that was a good way to justify it. What I will tell you right now from having six years behind my belt, I think it's six years on this, and that is that did not do me any good. Yes, you do need to have um, the awareness of what they're doing and what potentially is coming up. But once you have validated that you're dealing with somebody who's not quite right, continuing to look continues to bring trauma and hurt and bitterness into your life. You are much better served if you can make that, and I'll talk about my absolute thinking for a second, if you can make that absolute thinking decision that you know what they are. It's like, I know for absolute fact that they are, even though it's undiagnosed, that they are, are narc- you know, that they are an MPD. They are absolutely, they're, all the traits, it's undiagnosed, but you know, that's what's the driving force, right? And when you're able to do that, then it helps your mind to stop, stop going down that path. And what I will tell you is, is had I been able to, to learn that little nugget of truth early on in the process, it would have saved me a tremendous amount of grief. And what I will tell you, and this may be something that you're dealing with as well, is every time I did look or somebody gave me an update, it sent me into a tailspin. It was not good for me. It didn't matter whether it provided some you know, much-needed information, which I didn't really need. It didn't change the outcome of anything. And all it did was hurt my emotional state and didn't help my stability for what I was trying to do. And as a result of that, it also negatively impacted the relationship and the stability I was building or trying to rebuild with my kids. So guys, and this is, if you're dealing with this, this is what I initially tried to do, and this could potentially help you as well. And what I would do is, and it sounds sad, but I would make deals with myself. So what I did is I, I basically took the situation and I started to make deals with myself. So in other words, when I would sit there and I would be pulled to like, look, you know, it's like, oh man, I, w- I want to know what's going on. I would say, you know what? And this is what I would say in my mind. I would say, Dwayne, you don't, don't do it now. You can do it. You can do it later, but let's not do it right now. Let's go do something else for right now. And then we'll, we'll look what, you know, it's like if it was in the middle of the day, I would say, well, I'll look before I go to bed. And then when I would get to the bedtime, and I would, if I was thinking about the same thing again, then I would say, okay, well, I can look right now, but let me, let me look in the morning, right? Starting to give myself distance from it. And, and, it, and it, it, it felt absolutely like an addiction. And, and that's kind of the way I started to approach it is that's how I started to phase myself out of it is I, I approached it as though it was an addiction and that I was trying to wean myself off of it. Now, were there days that I made mistakes? Absolutely. It didn't happen, um, you know, I mean, obviously it happens more at the beginning, and then as you progress on, it starts to get better. But that was, that's a, see, and that's the thing, that's another one of those unspoken realities 
of this thing. You know, I, I see a lot of times with comments on, on different Facebook groups and people will talk about, talk about this. They'll talk about how they're, they're so drawn to want to contact their ex. They want to call them. They want to interact. They want to find an excuse. This is another thing, right? You'll come up with something like, okay, something's going on with the kids, so I, I have to tell them, so I need to call them, right? It's giving you an excuse to do that. That is the reality of this is that you, you're still stuck in that. So rolling back to what I was talking about with the absolute thinking, that's where it can really start to help you, and that's what helped me, is when I started to think about things, I would say, no, this is the reality, this is what I'm dealing with, this is the type of person I'm dealing with. Then when I would have reminiscence about the relationships and, and potential good times that we had, I would just basically run the mantra in my head saying, it's not real. It was an illusion. It was all a fabrication for manipulation. So all these things that I'm thinking about that uh, I thought maybe were something legitimate, they aren't. They were not. And then you look at the actions. This is another thing that, that I talk about a lot is the actions and words. And if you start peeling back what overall the person is doing and saying, you can. it helps you with that absolute thinking because you can say, okay, I, I, I see that if someone really loved me, they wouldn't do X. They wouldn't you know, put me down. They wouldn't ridicule me. They wouldn't uh, constantly um, neglect me. They wouldn't, uh, you know, when I asked them for something, you know, like for one point, I mean, I was like, you know, hey, you know, affection. I'm not talking about sex. I'm talking about just, you know, physical intimacy as in affection and touching with clothes on. I would say, hey, you know, could you, could, could we, could you be more affectionate? You know, could you give me a hug when I come home from work? Could you like, you know, pretend like you like me? And if they're not doing things that demonstrate that, that's the reality. And then what you do is you start reminding yourself of that. So here's the deal. Even though the reality of narcissistic abuse recovery is unpleasant and there's a lot of pitfalls involved in it, it's not something that lasts forever. And once you start to wrap your head around it and once you start healing yourself and, and recognizing reality, validating your experience, and putting yourself first and setting appropriate boundaries and doing things to figure out what happened to get you to this point. Like for me, you know, I started working on, well, what happened? What happened with my family of origin? Where, why was this situation even able to exist? What, you know, what primed the pump for me to be, in the, to be susceptible to this? You have to work on that stuff. And, what, and all of this in, 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 included together really makes a difference, and you start to heal from it. Again, just, to, to, just to, to hit this, it takes a long time. So when you're struggling with this and when you have the backslides and stuff like that, don't allow that to just crush your spirit on this. Yeah, it, it's not fun. I mean, to be honest, it's not fun. It's very frustrating. It makes you feel like all the progress you've made has been erased. But the reason I'm making this, this podcast is to basically put it in your head that a lot of that crap is, is normal behavior. When I was going through that, I didn't know that. So every time I would have a backslide, I felt like I was trapped and never going to escape, that I was going to be trapped in this, in this mode of thinking with this person having this, con- this, this connection over my heart and soul forever with no ability to escape from it. And I will tell you right now, those days that when I was feeling that, were really, really hard. And if you're going through this too and you're, you're having all those same, those same thoughts, 
you are probably feeling the exact same way I was feeling. Like, oh my God, yeah, I was doing okay a couple of days ago, but now it's all come crashing down and I can't get this person out of my head. It takes a long time. You've been through a traumatic experience. It's going to take a lot of work, but it's not impossible. And it's the way you're feeling is not going to last forever. If you're a viewer of my YouTube channel, Dad's Surviving Divorce DSD, then, and if you've been on any of the live shows and, and seen the comments, you will see a running theme of people who have been where you are, been where I was, and been able to get their lives back and change their perspective and start to heal from this. It absolutely is not easy. It is not easy at all. However, once you work through this and once you make that progress, the, the positive impacts to your life and the way your life is going to go forward in the future is, is, is it's, it's amazing. The, the transformation you can make from this process is amazing. And I know sometimes when you're in the beginning stage of this, it can feel like, what? what? A transformation? It would, this is, no, I'm, this is going to be hell forever. Well, it's not going to be hell forever. I've watched a lot of people who have worked through this and the transformation that I've seen and witnessed, even in some people, it's even in a few months, is extraordinary. So uh, j- before I wrap this up, I just want to say, if you're struggling with this, hang in there. Just know there are some things that a lot of people don't like to talk about once they start healing. So there's not a lot of people putting this information out there to just say, to, to remind you or to let you know, hey, what you're going through is normal. It takes a long time to, to get through it. The process you're, you're experiencing right now is typical, and it doesn't mean that you're trapped forever. So on that, I'm going to wrap this episode up. If you uh, like the Break the Cycle with DSD podcast, uh, I would really appreciate it if you would go over to iTunes and give the show a rating. Um, you can get, do a numeric rating and or leave a comment. Um, that really helps to uh, show you, uh, not YouTube, to show iTunes that the, the podcast is uh, reaching people and people are engaging in it and then help promote it and get it out there to more people. If you know somebody who is dealing with this and having this exact same problem, share this podcast with them. This could really hopefully help get them to understand what they're going through and start their recovery process. So on that, I will chat with you guys on the next podcast and I'll see you in the next video.